There was some madness in Manchester earlier on uh, this morning. In fact, there were eight goals in the game between Manchester and Monaco. It was an extraordinary morning of uh, Champions League football. And uh, Carlos Alberto Diego is here to talk to us about that and everything else besides. Hello, Carlos. How are you going, mate? Yeah, I'm very well there, Francis. Did you yourself? some of that? Yes, I've got just the highlights uh, because uh, the Man City game, you just don't know what you're going to get with them. So I don't tend to wake up in the morning to watch it because they could be pretty poor or pretty good. And in the end, though, it was a bit of a worry for him. It was great to see uh, um, Ramadel Fakal actually... Um, back to something back like to, Yeah, I, I, like I remember when he joined... Uh, from Monaco, he joined Manchester United, and sixty-five million quid, and he just didn't tonight. settle at all. And I just thought, what what do people see in this player? But tonight, today, we saw uh, almost the best of him. But he missed a penalty too. But his second goal. Uh, the chip over the keeper from inside the box was a beauty. So, uh, yeah, the highlights were fantastic and good to see Aguero back in uh, in form. And uh, and the one that everyone's talking about at the moment is Leroy Sane, the, the German international who's just killing it at the moment. Uh, when he and uh, Gabriel Jesus, uh, the Brazilian boy, before he was injured, were playing together, they were saying that they still had a chance of maybe winning the league with those two. But uh, now that Jesus is uh, injured, we'll have to wait and see what uh, Guerra gives us. Yeah, it's an entertaining game. As you said, eight goals in that one and a penalty miss as well. Yeah. So Monaco go home with a two goals in the bank, but uh, a three-goal deficit. So might be a little bit hard to, to overturn that one. But uh, fun to watch. Great fun to watch. And the other one, it was Atletico Madrid, who continued to defy... All sorts mm. of expectations. A 4-2 win away at Bayer Leverkusen in Germany, which was a fantastic win. It's, it's, it's interesting. Whenever you look at that club, you're sort, of, you're sort of thinking they're going to fall away because there was an announcement by Diego Simeone that he might move on and, and the boys really play for him. And, and there was a, they didn't start the La Liga all that well this year. They're, you know, they're back in the top three or four at the moment and they're, they're showing something in the La Liga. Uh, but with the likes of Grisman and Kevin Gramero, uh, the German, those are French international, uh, doing so well today. Uh, that that away win is a, is a beauty, but you wouldn't want to disappoint Diego Simeone, would you? If you're a player, no. I mean, it's sort of like you come and he probably... dresses like a nightclub bouncer. Yeah, yeah. And he looked, he was a combative type as a player. I, I, I'd imagine if you weren't going to play for him, you wouldn't get a game number one. If you let him down in the game, you'll probably have you out the back in the car park anyway. So, uh, so uh, yeah, they're they're a fighting team, and uh, they're always going to be really competitive. Whether they're going to reach the same levels that they have in the last couple of years, I'm not sure. Uh, and I wonder what's going to happen when Diego Simeone ends up leaving. That's uh, going to be interesting what's going to happen with that club then. Is he going to come to Arsenal? Can you imagine the, the contrast between he, his approach and Arsene Wenger's approach? I mean, that's a question for you too. I don't think I've ever heard you actually give me your opinion about whether Arsene Wenger has outlasted his stay there. Ah, oh, it's difficult. It's like a, a long-term relationship, heavy ups and downs. I, I think it's getting to that point. I well, think. the 5-1 loss to Bayern Munich. Hey, come on. We put Sutton United to the sword, yeah, too, Neil. I know, I know. That's the, yeah, but that's what you guys do. <laughs> like, you lose that game. You don't lose enough games in a row for, for a crisis for their, to, yeah. to be there. But apparently a lot of rumblings at the moment. And uh, there's talk of uh, them maybe talking to uh, Allegri from Juventus. And uh, you know, he's won everything with Juventus for a few years in a row. So he's a good manager. So it'll be interesting to see what they do. And, uh, the, the, I mean, the, the culture... Of that club, you know the three league titles that uh, Wenger's won, and the, the, the six, yeah, the six FA Cups, and maybe seventh. They're still in the FA Cup again. Uh, you know, it's almost in the DNA, in the fabric of that club, Arsenal Wenger. So it'd be interesting to see who they get to shake that all up, and where they can do it quickly. Yep, uh, interesting times ahead. Nine forty nine, eleven sixteen. Frank's in one turn. He wants to talk to you about uh, <laughs> our good friend from from Sutton United. 
from the from yesterday. Wayne Shaw. G'day, Frank. G'day, guys. Yeah, that really uh, brought back memories for me. Actually, uh, <laughs> watching that goal, watching that goalie eating the uh, pie. That <laughs> um, substitute goalie. Thank God he didn't have to come on. <laughs> what what memories for you there, Frank? What the, did you experience that yourself? Well, my son was playing a game, and uh, at three quarter time in the under twelve at Juan Turner, he, he decided to go to the canteen and grab a hot dog. <laughs> he rolled up back at the three quarter time address eating a hot dog, and everybody was absolutely flabbergasted. <laughs> well, the postscript to all that is that Wayne Shaw. Mm. So, if you didn't see the footage, Sutton United, a non-league team, 105th in the sort of like the pecking order behind Arsenal, played them at home the other night. Arsenal won two 0 Wayne uh, Shaw, the 46-year-old reserve goalkeeper, let's say <laughs> lacking a little bit of condition, uh, was seen chomping on a pie on the bench yeah. in a sort of bit of a stunt. But it's turned into uh, something uh, pretty serious because uh, he's got into a bit of trouble. He was filmed eating the pie on the substitute bench. Uh, he's uh, resigned from the club with in hours of this because the Gambling Commission and Football Association have announced investigation into his actions after it emerged that a betting company had offered odds against any Sutton player tucking into a pie during the televised game. But he also admitted that he knew about the the bookie offering that, that bet. So that was the problem. When I read it, I'm thinking, does he know that some, he suddenly compromised himself? But uh, look, he offered his resignation. The club accepted really sad. it. It is. I mean, really. I mean, he was he was the assistant coach too. And look, it is Sutton United, and I was watching them, and they, they've got a, a basic idea how to play football. I mean, they're a professional outfit that, uh, or they might be part timers, but they train as professionals. And uh, and so he must have had he must have been offering something to the club. He doesn't look like a footballer, so it was interesting to see him as a reserve goalkeeper. But he must know he he must know the game. So it was, a, it was obviously a very sad way for him. To, to leave that club, and who knows where he's going to go. Apparently, he's been offered uh, a job as a pie taster for the Morrison Pie Company in the UK. <laughs> really? Yeah, it's true. He did tuck into that pie with relish. Yeah. They look yeah. like a good pie, by the way. <laughs> well, Very fine pie. Uh, probably the home of pies, Sutton. <laughs> Sutton United in their bistro. It's the one thing yeah. it'll be rem- the club will be remembered for throughout <laughs> the ages now, the place for pies. At 29 29- it's to three. Uh, Carlos Alberto Diego is with us. Nine four two nine eleven six. And if you've ever eaten a pie on the bench, um, <laughs> give us a call. Well, what's so different between that and the little snakes they give you, the sweets, and then they've and you <laughs> oh, come and, on. and actually have and the pizza straight after the game. I've seen the pizza straight <laughs> after the game. Not in the middle of the game. Well, it's Imagine if you're sitting on the bench at Dollar <laughs> and the crust pizza guy turns up and delivers a, a pepperoni for you. I, I used to I used to play with players uh, back in my day in the pub leagues. Uh, he used to have a of Hamburger with a lot on the way of the game. That's that's they're the days that uh, where I was playing, and because he needed the the energy from the from all the fantastic uh, whatever whatever yeah, whatever's in the, the the pineapple and the beetroot and the yeah, but what about all the grease and stuff? It didn't matter for him. He what, actually what, was not a bad player. What either. was your what? Well, call in nine four two nine eleven sixty. What was either your pre match or in game <laughs> diet? What was the thing you went for? Were you the Tony Lockett two dim sims on the way to training for Ballarat? <laughs> Carlos Alberto Diego is with us here on a Wednesday afternoon talking the world game. Kevin Musket, coach mm. of Melbourne Victory, doing a great job, second in the league. Uh, you know, has won the title a couple of times. Yeah, must be in demand. And there's been whisper after whisper that the possibility that Rangers in the Scottish Premier League, his old club, one yep. of his old teams, is interested in his services. What do you know? Well, 
I don't know anything about what because Kevin won't talk about it. And uh, but it's interesting. Craig Moore, he's one of his best mates, uh, also a legend of Glasgow Rangers. Won something like five SPL titles with them and was captain of the club in those title year, winning years too. And great mates with Kevin Musket. Uh, I think they played together at Glasgow Rangers at the same time. There was talk about him being the director of football. Of course, they're putting two and two together, and uh, and it, it would be so interesting to see um, a double act like that. Okay, it's not the top league in Europe, but it, it's a league that everyone still looks at because of Celtic. And uh, it will be interesting to see two Australians leading a club like that. And it just got me thinking uh, over the last couple of days when I was, you know, when this, this news had come out that uh, that you know when will uh, an Australian manager or a coach get an opportunity at a decent sized club, not in Asia, but I'm talking about in in Europe, a decent sized club. Who are the most likely can? Ange Postacoglu's made no secret of his desire to do it at some point. Absolutely, and uh, and I think he would be one. Tony Popovich, obviously, there was talk about him and uh, Crystal Palace, his old club, uh, when they lost their manager not so long ago. I think it was Alan Pardew moved on before Sam Allardyce took over. Uh, Of course, uh, Kevin Muscat now. Um, Look, I, I would... I didn't expect Kevin to be a you know ahead of someone like an Ange, but again, Ange might be you know he might there might be a club in in Holland or there might be a club you know in Belgium. One of those Was clubs there that not might. Was that Graham Arnold because of yeah. his history in Dutch football might be in that same ballpark? Yeah, uh, Nack Breeder, his uh, old club that he played many many games for scored a lot of goals for them he was really well respected there and people still remember him and uh, there was a talk about when they were relegated or on the verge of relegation that uh, that he would rebuild that club because of what the, the work he's done at Sydney and look you know you, you wonder also when there's talk like that whether that's part of the negotiation of his new contract at Sydney and suddenly there's a story and uh, you know, it's, it's interesting with Graham Arnold it's happened a few times when yeah. when he's renegoti- uh, renegotiating his contract and suddenly there's a story that China, a club in China wants him or whatever the timing's unbelievable at times, but but I know that he's respected in Holland, and that may have may had some truth uh, to that. And with Gus Hiddink, uh, you know, uh, as a referee, and some of those guys uh, that he worked for as a referee in Holland, uh, there's no reason why he may not be given the opportunity. But it's interesting, you know, the first guy to do it at a club like that will have to prove himself. You see Bob Bradley, the the American coach. Lasted Swansea. about seven games. He may have been a good manager. He may actually could have, could have been a really good coach. But uh, if you don't win over that, that change room pretty quickly uh, by winning and man-managing, uh, if you don't have the reputation... Um, as a player or someone that they know, you, you've got a really a short uh, lifespan there. I mean, Jose Mourinho is a classic case where he's basically been a winning coach since day one. I mean, he was a, technically an interpreter at uh, with Bobby Robson at Barcelona when he got his opportunity at Porto. So, uh, you know, these guys have to win straight away when you've not been a player and not really well known. Nine forty nine eleven sixteen. If you want to join the conversation, uh, Carlos Alberto Diego here talking football. The World Game twenty to three. Uh, a couple of uh, suggestions on what people did eat. Uh, <laughs> our man uh, Wayne Shaw isn't the only guy that liked a big feed either in game or before one. How about this one? One of my mates used to have a steak washed down with a sausage. <laughs> <laughs> That's a gutful. A steak washed down with a sausage in before training and wondered why he'd spew most tweets. That's confusing the body, that is. <laughs> Very much so. The old sausage. <laughs> and this one from Kramer on the Gold Coast. Mum used to make me eat a packet of Ovaltinis before I played. Okay. See, Mum knew her nutrition. Ovaltinis. Yeah. <laughs> John's in Pauline. Hello, John. How are you going? Good. Uh, I think that... The, the, the goalkeeper, who I've just learned was the assistant coach as well. Wayne Shaw. I, I think he's played it wrong. I think he shouldn't have mentioned the uh, 
the betting, he just should have said he was preparing because the coach wanted him to go out and park the bus. He could have parked it. It would have been a, a tough job for anyone to get the ball past him. He actually, he actually did say that he and his mates were having a bit of a banter about it, and that's and when he heard about the bookie, uh, you know, laying the uh, offering those odds that uh, that the that his mates went off and said, look, you eat the pie and we'll bet. I mean, it was, he actually, that's how innocent this was. He obviously didn't know he was doing something wrong. He was just having some fun with his mates, and, uh, but he's admitted it to the world too, and that's what's cost him his job. Yeah, it's a shame. It really is. Uh, David is out there on the road. G'day, Dave. Yeah, g'day, boys. Um, just a story, uh, a true one out of the 70s. Uh, Francis, you'd remember Alan Davis used to play for the Saints, number 19. Absolutely. Back- Back in the day, uh, would have been a midfielder back then, but they called them utility players back then. <laughs> <laughs> On the footy card, <laughs> <Yep>. utility. <laughs> That's right. And uh, and Dave, I was a bit of a strange cat. And uh, one time out at Victoria Park, he was sitting on the bench. He was 19th man, and uh, he's pulled a polywaffle out of his sock and started eating it. <laughs> polywaffle. Next, next to yes, next to Jeansy, and Jeansy's looked sideways. Saw him eating the polywaffle, and uh, Cowboy Neil tells the story. Of he was on the ground, and he looked off the ground. And, he said Jeansy's head looked like a giant pimple about to explode. <laughs> <laughs> the polywaffle. What a, what a great long-lost confection. Can you still get polywaffles? Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure they're there. But, I, uh, I mean, so. if you think about it, if you dig deep there, there's a bit of carbs in that too. So, yeah, the, <laughs> and, and the sugar, sugar can burn off pretty quickly. So. Steve's in Melton. Hello, Steve. Hey, guys. Uh, I play footy up Diggers Rest against uh, Mount Macedon in the 90s or that cold. Then we all stood beside the barrel before the game and got dragged and got changed. Yep. At, at half time, no, no address. The roller doors went up and chicken noodle soup was served to both of Sensible. Cup of noodle yeah. soup. Light and, and warms you up. I, I can see the sense in that, to tell you the truth there, Steve. With the, with the polywaffle that's yeah. in and out of it. That actually reminds me, uh, my dad used to have, uh, used to be an avid, avid Juventus Melbourne supporter, and uh, in the 50s and 60s, when he, when he first migrated to Australia, there was a lot of, uh, especially in the 60s, there was a lot of Scots that they'd recruit from overseas, and, and dad's got stories about, uh, at halftime, especially with the cold Melbourne weather, they'd be playing state league, you know, against you know, teams, and the Scots at halftime would be, you know, half of them would be smoking their, you know, puffing away on their cigarette, and the other mob would be uh, having a, a shot of whiskey or something at half time just to warm them up and apparently it was well known it was well accepted and that's, that's just something that Scots used to do someone's just telling me FYI they just continued polywaffles last month oh did they gone forever timing no more polywaffles on the bench hey at quarter to two we've got to talk about a couple of things before we let you go Wayne Rooney and this is massive news if it happens now Jose Mourinho has said over the last 24 hours that he can't guarantee that Wayne Rooney will play out the remainder of the year with Manchester United. Now, the European transfer window is closed, but the Asian transfer window is still yep. open. Chinese Super League, big money. It's come for him. They've been searching for a huge British or English Premier League name. Uh, Diego Costa said no. A couple of other players have said no. But Rooney, it looks like, might say yes. At 31. Uh, but look, there is, a, there is a... I mean, the speculation is China because all the money that's been offered. But you know, Wayne Rooney's independently wealthy probably three or four generations over. So, you know, people are talking about China because there was they've been links to a Chinese Super League club for a long time. They're apparently offering thirty million pound a year, uh, which is probably add up to about a, a million pound a week. So the highest paid player in the world. But there is some suggestion that he may you know, because you know, he's almost accepting or telling the world that he's given up that he's retiring basically by going to China, he may have a little bit left in him and he might want to show that. There's talk about him maybe going cut price deal to Everton 
or even going, going to, home to Everton. Yeah, so uh, so I mean, wouldn't that be a romantic story? Him going back to Everton uh, and not pursuing the money. You know, I think he's on two hundred and thirty or two hundred and fifty thousand pound a week right now. So there's no way Everton would pay anything like that. But given that he's so wealthy and uh, maybe he wants to, you know, show the world that he can still play a bit. Because only a couple of weeks ago, he, he sort of beat the Bobby Charlton's record with that great goal against Stoke in, in the league. Uh, so he may well be uh, wanting to show the world and show Jose Mourinho that there still might be something left. Mourinho's been looking and angling to, to move him on, hasn't he? Well, I mean, when you've got uh, Slatan Ibrahimovic playing so well and uh, Mkhitaryan at the moment, it's probably almost their best player, uh, you know, up forward and you know playing some great stuff. Uh, it's just hard to, you know, where are you going to play Wayne Rooney? And... Over the years, he's actually from starting up as a as as your front prong and your your, your the guy that you you look to up at the top of the sort of formation. Suddenly, he's dropping back and back. And even last year, he was playing almost as a defensive midfielder at one stage, just so they can accommodate him somewhere. Well, they were playing him in midfield for England, weren't they? It was very yeah, odd. It, yeah. It was really awful. That uh, yeah, Euro campaign. yeah. It's like they're just a quite, trying to accommodate a legend and not sort of embarrass him too much. So I think you know it's probably smart for him to move. I don't. I hope he doesn't go to China to tell you. The he truth. could end up here playing in an Asian Champions League game. Yeah, we could have him playing. Uh, yeah, but I just, I just reckon he'd be playing half pace and he'd be given. For me, it's it's it's. I an, reckon he might end up looking like Wayne Shaw. Well, he's, he's admitting that uh, that basically, if he goes to China, he's admitting that it's over for him. Basically, uh, I'm kind of hoping he goes back to Everton. What a romantic story that would be. I think it'd be great. Melbourne victory were good on the weekend. They got three points uh, against the Central Coast Mariners, and uh, they're still pursuing Sydney FC at the top of the charts. Right footed chip by the keeper to the middle of the park. Arpia gets the header, but ricochets beyond everyone's path. Even the looks of Barisha. Barisha skips past the keeper. Bessart makes it three with a clinical finish. And it's party time in Gosford for the victory. And it was. They were good, Carlos, on the weekend. There's still uh, eight points adrift to Sydney FC, but do they give themselves a sneaky chance of overhauling them? When you've got the ability and the positive arrogance, I'll call it, of uh, James Troisi in that squad. Gee, I mean, he, he, was, he, was, he good was fantastic. Last week. He's the only player in the A League that does a no look nutmeg. Like he doesn't even. He actually fools a player coming towards him by looking away and just threading it through his legs. Uh, and the goal. I mean, it, well, uh, I think the 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 goal where he dispossessed uh, Jake McGing. The second goal in that yeah, game. Uh, yeah, when he did. I mean, that was just hard work. I mean, he just pressured the player. I mean, it's a, such a great sign for players like Barisha and Troisi in that squad working hard up the top of the field uh, because that's exactly what Kevin Muscat uh, wants them to do. It's part, it's really integral part of their game plan. And for him to do that and then score, it's just uh, it's just a fantastic reward. And everyone's talking about Troisi being definitely picked in the squad for the Socceroos coming up. So I hope he is because he just you need to reward guys like this. Hard work and being focused the whole time. Suddenly you've got a, a really great talent on your hands. So victory have Adelaide United this weekend at home. Uh, the night before, Melbourne City host Sydney FC. So Sydney FC, first loss of the season, have to bounce back against Melbourne City, who are currently third on the table. We're tipping, uh, the Diego's are tipping that Sydney are now in the slump, Francis. So, uh, look, this is a game now, uh, if, you know, in the last two games, of course, uh, Melbourne City haven't lost. They drew against Brisbane. There was a plucky effort with the kids and the team. Last week, I think they were really poor, Wellington Phoenix, but it was a good 5-1. I mean, you can only play what's in front of you, and Melbourne City did, did the job over in Wellington, and they haven't always played well there. So this is the test. I mean, when, when you're up against a Sydney that's a bit angry, uh, they, uh, they, they're, they're, they won't drop off too much from their style of play or the effort that they put in. If Melbourne City can beat Sydney... This Friday, suddenly we can say that they're back on track again and they can show 
people that they're going to make the finals and maybe cause a bit of damage in that finals, uh, you know, and also help Melbourne victory too if they can do that. It will, it will open mm. right up if they yeah. get all three points against Sydney FC and victory win, and it brings that gap back just to five points with Sydney FC to play Melbourne victory. It's all on for the Premier's play. Yeah, and I, I hope it gets to that too because there's a real interest then. Uh, look, I, look, as much as I want to, def- I want to uh, support the Melbourne teams all the time. I'd be surprised if Sydney. Uh, you know, lose this Friday, but uh, but you know Melbourne City, they've got to deliver what they did early in the season. They haven't played uh, all that well since the FFA, FFA Cup win, and uh, and they've got to do it against a team that's uh, really hungry and fired up. Uh, in a more, I guess, less pleasant news, the Western Sydney Wanderers have today suspended fourteen members. Uh, 14 individual members from their club, from the Red and Black Block, uh, the active supporter group, following the display of that lewd banner at the Derby on Saturday night at ANZ Stadium. The club's in the process of issuing the bans to 14 individuals for a period of 18 months across all competitions. This was after reviewing CCTV footage of the Knights. Uh, for the purpose of clarity, they make it clear the FFA, uh, these are not FFA bans, this has been done by the club. They're trying to get on the front foot, but it's well too yeah. late, isn't it? Yeah. Well too late. What, by... Both the FFA, and they work quite strong straight afterward, but the club in particular, instead of giving it the oxygen that they've had last three or four days, because these, these guys aren't fans. For me, they're not fans. They're just, they're, they're wreckers. And uh, what you've got to do is just, you've, you've, you've got the video on them. You know who they are. Just ban them for life. That's it. Get rid of it. You don't need to talk about it. This is what we've done. Put a hell of a lot of uh, faith in the system and that everyone's on the same page. Really disappointed, as Robbie Slater said, in uh, Tony Popovich not coming out very, very strongly to defend a mate in Graham Arnold and what happened there. It was a disgrace what was shown there. And, uh, and at the same time, was really disappointed with Western Sydney Wanderers. It's a bit delayed, uh, but they've done it now. But what we've got to do with all this now, let's nip it in the bud every time. When that happens, you ban them straight away. Don't delay. Move quickly. Club and federation... Uh, you know, coaches support that also, and uh, and suddenly we move on. No one's immune from the standards we expect. Oh. Another of mutual respect, and but, what they what they displayed on on that on Saturday night was was beyond the the boundaries of, of any way acceptable in, in a public forum like that. It was just, and it for those of us that love the game, it diminishes. Yeah. The, cult, the the yep. story of the night, which was the great game that was, that 1-0 win for Western Sydney Waters, it destroys what was beautiful about that night. Great, pure yep. football, and then at the end of it, we get these idiots who hijack the evening. It's not good enough. The only good thing about talking about this right now is it's a learning experience for the next lot of fans, young people coming through, that it's not acceptable in our society to be doing that or in our game. So that's the only good thing about talking about it. But we should act straight away. Let's get rid of them. Uh, I'm hearing great stories at Melbourne Victory, for example, that there's a lot of self-policing going on within their fan groups, which is great. Uh, That's the only way you're going to stamp this out. Has Melbourne Victory lost much in terms of energy and excitement at the stadium since the North Terraces? Stop being as organised and active. Not, not as far as I'm concerned, but there might be people in, the, in you know, who go to the games who might think that there is. But for me, I don't care. I'm, I'd rather have half the people there uh, if it's going to stamp out any of this antisocial behaviour. So uh, they're finally acted, but uh, let's see if that uh, translates into better behaviour from other fans of the Red and Black Block. Because when the Wanderers came in, they were seen to be one of the great stories of the competition. Vibrant, brilliantly passionate about their team, uh, but they've. There's an edge to it, and it's gone too far now. So the club needs to take control. Absolutely, and uh, and there's a lot of good people there at West Sydney West Sydney Wanderers. If you follow that club, families, young kids, mums, dads, the whole thing. So they would be absolutely, you know, uh, chatted with what's happened, and they'd be disgusted with uh, that element that's in that crowd. But look, they've suspended 14. 
I don't know why they're not banning him for life. It was that bad, I think. Uh, but they suspended him, so hopefully, you know, it, it will clean things up and teach a few people a lesson. And Champions League tonight, Adelaide United have got... Uh, Gambra Saka. Yeah, yeah. Look, I, I, I keep on thinking with the way, even though they won last weekend, with the way they have been playing uh, and what happened to West Indy Wanderers uh, with... You're all with, with, diamonds. Uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm just a bit worried for Adelaide, but... Uh, yeah, Gamba Osaka finished second in the J League last year. They're going to be a really, really tough team to be up against tonight. Good on you, mate. Thank you for coming in. Thanks, mate. Carlos Alberto Diego. Off to have a bag of oval teenies, <laughs> a glass of sausage, and a steak. I'm going to find a polywaffle somewhere. <laughs> and a polywaffle for dessert. <laughs>